Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. And today, we're going to be talking about how to buy properties using credit cards. And I know we've covered a little bit of this in the past. We've covered different techniques as well. And what I'm going to show you today is actually a presentation that I did a few weeks ago at a friend's house. Some guys from church asked me to come by and do a presentation on credit, how to be able to really take the credit, liquidate it into cash and use it to fund anything. You don't necessarily need to just utilizing properties, but I do encourage some sort of investment to make the cash, make the credit work hard for you like a bank would, right? So we're going to be covering in this presentation really quickly. We're going to be going over my personal info really quick so you can get a gist of how the heck we did it. And then afterwards, I'm going to be showing you really behind the scenes, everything that it takes to be able to position yourself, like walking up the steps here to be able to actually get these results. Some people can go right off the bat and start whatever credit lines they have, start purchasing properties with it, with the techniques that we'll show you towards the end. But if you need some fixing or you need to get a bunch of new credit lines, because your market, the properties are very expensive, like out here in San Diego, and you just don't have enough credit at the moment, then you're going to want to follow these steps in order to be able to position yourself to be able to do so, you know, actually buying properties with credit cards or any type of investments in the nearest future. Okay. And it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. It's actually fairly quickly. You can do so even with bad credit report currently, nine times out of 10, you'll be able to within your first 30 to 60 days, which is awesome. So with that being said, let's just dive into it. Hopefully you guys can see this. For anybody that's just listening on here for the podcast, um, make sure there's going to be slideshows on this. And hopefully my team will put this up into YouTube as well as we are doing a live stream on my Facebook profile right now. So you can always go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott investor. With that being said, let's take a peek. So how to buy properties using credit cards. Obviously we got the podcast and just want to shout out all the podcast listeners and all of the support that we've had over the last four plus years, over 200 plus episodes and over 50,000 subscribers at this point. Just want to say, love you guys all so much. Keep doing it. Keep supporting, keep tagging people in it, sharing this out and getting others to subscribe and leave reviews as well. Anybody that sends me a DM showing that they subscribed and left a review, I always send them my book, Action Driven. But we've spoken on stages across the country as well as out of the country, been on television talking about Credit Council Elite, and some awesome stages, radio shows as well, Success Profile Magazine on the cover of. But at the end of the day, 
I didn't start off with any money, had no reputation, no degree. I actually went homeless. I still kept a job, but I grew up American poor, you know, like had help from neighbors, local schools, as well as local churches helped us out. Grew up on section eight and my mom worked her ass off to make sure that three misfits got the best that we possibly could. So not like other countries type of poor, but still, you know, struggling when it came down to finances. I know this is gruesome, but I'll make it quick. I found myself having an accident in my apartment back in September 24th. You can see in the corner here, 2013, uh, because I was going down the wrong path. I was addicted to marijuana at the time. I know that sounds stupid, but... But yeah, too much of anything is bad for you. And that was my life at the time. I was selling it. I was obviously consuming a ton and I was making hash oil that day. I got cocky and I had an explosion in my apartment making it. I burnt 40% of my body. They induced me into a coma for a week. I stayed in the hospital going through three surgeries for almost a month, about three weeks almost a month and then had to learn how to walk again. And it was a gruesome scene, but it was exactly what I needed to be able to have that pivotal point of, hey, if I can be successful in the wrong avenue, <laughs> but have to look over my shoulder on a regular basis, you know, I've had guns in my head, knives to my throat, stupid things like that, and robbed my best friends several days before Christmas, you know, it's not the ideal lifestyle to say the least. But if I am talented enough to make it successful on one side. I know if I get the right guidance, the right mentorship, the right influence and circle around me, cut off all the BS, then you know I could actually make something out of myself. And that's what I did over the years. I cut off the negative people out of my life and I got around the right people. This is my Asian persuasion, Jennifer, my two pups, family, love traveling, love being on stages with some of these guys and just the networking and connections. We got Brian Smith, creator of Uggs, Cody Sperber, NFL champion, Ty Lopez, you know, a bunch of amazing people. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about you and like truly why you should give a poo, why you should give a shit really about fixing your own credit score and making sure that it's pristine. So I know this after picture doesn't look so sexy, Trust me, it's better. I need to switch out this picture, but it is better than obviously before, but it's also, there's improvements past that. So that wasn't the full finished product. Anyway, so I purchased this. This is my first baby, my first deal. I purchased it for uh, $9,000, put 30,000 into it. I did a cash out refinance. So I do the birth strategy with as many properties as I can. And the new mortgage is... $250. It actually rents out for $1132 a month, not $900. But this is another property. What's funny is right down the street from this one, several houses down, exactly two months to the day, I bought another property right after that first one. And it's a triplex, just like this one right here. But it wasn't that cheap. I bought it for $60,000 on that one. This one I paid $20,000 for. The remodel cost me $65. Thousand. I did a cash out refinance. It appraised for one thirty five. New mortgage is seven hundred, and it brings in a total of twenty three hundred per month. Here's another one. Bought it for five thousand. Twenty six thousand for the renovation. Did the cash out refinance. Two hundred fifty. I have no money into any of these deals, and the mortgages are so small. 
you know, it's very cheap and it rents out for a heck of a lot more. This one's a thousand twenty-five. You know what I mean? But if you're looking at me and you're like, all right, you know, you're talking about cheap ass properties here, Brandon. Yeah, I get it. So this one is to cover up that is you can do this out here in San Diego too. It just comes down to the education, confidence and reputation, right? I was able to get that over time doing it in a cheaper market. But if you really look at it, all real estate is is the beginning and end of purchasing something distressed, doing the renovation, either selling it, renting it out and cash out refinance or, you know, whatever your end play is, there's an exit somewhere here. And it comes down to the numbers, you know, numbers are numbers. So whether it's a $5,000 property or this one, uh, which as you can see the before and afters, I mean, it's gorgeous now. It was like a prison, ugly too. Worst one on the block. Now it's beautiful. And this one is 1.25 million is what we purchased it for. But it's the same concept, just like the $5,000 property over in Ohio, we purchased, we put 26,000 into it and have no money into it. The new mortgage is $250. This one, you know, we purchased for 1.25 million here in San Diego at fourplex. And it was right before and during the pandemic. We did the renovation is 160,000. And after we did a cash out refinance, it appraised for 1.75 million. After the cash out refinance, it's 7,700 per month. The best part is we do Airbnb and it rents out per night, per unit, 325 to 350, which is great. And these are the before, after. See, we opened up some walls in the kitchen and in the hallway there and made it a little bit sexier. Got kitchens and bathrooms and so forth. So as you can see the back, look at it, then boom, like there's no enhancements here. This is all natural and it's sexy. Very, very happy with this stuff. But as you can tell, like we're making it work out here in San Diego as well. So let's talk about the benefits of a good credit score, right? The benefits of a good credit score, simply lower interest rates on all credit cards and all loans at the end of the day. Okay. If you want money and you want to get the best of the best rates so you can scale and grow faster, like you can do this. More negotiating power at the end of the day. You can get approved for higher credit limits, easier approval for rental houses and apartments, better car insurance rates. Yes, your car insurance, their rates, your credit score has an impact on that stuff as well. No security deposits needed on new contracts such as cell phones, utilities, et cetera. Voiding additional fees and saving a ton of money on interest. So at the end of the day, you got this cute ass little baby right here, but you know, we've all heard some crazy myths out there. I've heard a ton and some of them just simply break my heart. But at the end of the day, they're myths. Like for example, a collection or a charge off, you know, after it's been paid, People think it automatically disappears. That's not the case unless you get a letter beforehand stating paid upon deletion. And then once you pay it, then they'll be able to delete it, right? There's also, I've heard people tell me, well, I was educated that I needed to pay interest on these credit cards, be able to boost up my score. It's like, no, like do not do that. You're wasting money. You don't need to do that. That's not going to benefit you at all. It's actually best to keep your utilization as low as possible. The old school myths of, hey, only have one to two credit cards max. Don't ever have more than that. 
The simple fact is, the truth is, lenders want to see 21 plus accounts. They want to see mixed use, which uh, is going to be, and I'll dive into this in, in a minute. It's six different factors that make up the mixed use, but having just one or two accounts is going to put you in the red until you actually get to 11 accounts. So it really doesn't make sense. And I'm sure you guys have heard of MISS as well. Just be cautious with it, fact check it, or reach out if you have any questions, okay? How we look at credit at Credit Council Elite, which is our mastermind group, we teach this high-level process behind it, and our students are getting unbelievable results. But these are some of the techniques that, and the whole foundation, the whole process of how we look at credit. It's a four-step process. Number one is educate. Number two is fix. Number three is build. Number four is leverage. So you want to be educated and understand how the banks and lenders are judging you so you know how to play the game. Number two is I don't care where you're at with credit and your FICO score, whether you're at the 500s or you're at the low 800 FICO score, I can almost guarantee every single person needs a little bit of fixing. And it can be as soon as a couple hours up to 10 business days in many cases. After your credit is fixed, then it's time to build. The third step is build. And that's where you can boost up your score, get it to the 800 range in less than 30 days, and then set yourself up for a mass apply application sequence when you can apply for 10, 20, 30, 40 plus credit cards all at once. Obviously, remove the hard inquiries in total right afterwards. And also be able to build up, you know, doing the mass apply, you'll be able to get several six figures in funding. You can do that for yourself every six months. And within a year's time frame, on the business credit side alone, you can get actually up to seven figures in funding, which is unheard of, right? So once you get all this funding and you're educated on how to and, and what to say and everything else and where to look, then the last step is leveraging it. Getting all this funding, you put it to work. There's techniques that we've purchased properties with credit cards. We complete all of our renovations with credit cards. We do hard money lending, private money lending starting new e-com businesses, like you name it, we're putting the credit to work, life insurance policies, crypto, like there's so many different ways that you can put your credit to work, just like the banks have been doing to us for forever now. So let's dive into some tips and tricks here that are going to help you guys out, right? There's a huge, huge difference between a Vantage score and a FICO score. Okay. Huge, huge difference. Vantage score is BS. It, it's a made up number that is really made up by uh, these third party companies that are geared towards promoting products and services to you that they're an affiliate to. Okay. So just be mindful of that. FICO score, like your true FICO, it's from the Fair Isaac Corporation. And like it's truly what your score is. You can find it from the three individual bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, or you can actually go to MyScoreIQ and there's a link at the end, or you can find MyScoreIQ link in my bio underneath on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. So Brandon Elliott Investments on Instagram, you'll be able to see in the bio MyScoreIQ to be able to set you up with like your true FICO at the end of the day. But like I said, when you're on Credit Karma, just be mindful. You know, stop flexing with the Credit Karma stuff. I've seen the scores off about 150 points, either up or down. And identify this that it is not your true FICO. 
it's the BS number, it's your Vantage score. You can see it circled here in the middle and you can see on the side here, the promotional offers, the good approval odds, it's all BS, it's all BS. It's ads getting pumped to you and it's marketing at its finest, okay? Somebody paid first progress in this situation, that's the name of this credit card. They paid to get their spot there for your eyes basically and for you to apply. And if you get approved, I don't know how they do it, but I assume if you get approved, maybe even if you just click it and apply, Credit Karma will get a little kickback. Okay. But if you go to my overview and see, you know, score details, you'll actually be able to check out your true credit report. Now, if you're looking for credit cards, don't look on Credit Karma or any other, you know, BS little platforms that are offering it, like Experian, for example. Don't go after any of those. Go to uscreditcardguide.com, uscreditcardguide.com. You can do all of your research on any type of mainstream card that you're interested in and be able to see you know, what the annual fees are, what the best time for sign-up bonuses are, how to apply, where to apply, whether they care about hard inquiries, like the step-by-step and data points to help out on getting the best chances of approval. These are those six boxes that we were talking about, right? We got from the top three, there are high impact. We got payment history, makes up 35% of your FICO. Credit card use, that's your utilization, that makes up 30%. We got derogatory remarks at the end there. There's no percentage attached to it, but just know that if you have one derogatory remark, it's a big smack in the face and it's about a 60 point drop. And then at the bottom left, we got credit age. That makes up 15% of your FICO. It's a medium impact. The last two are going to be a low impact, making up 10% each of your FICO total accounts. And then hard inquiries are those two individually. So at the end of the day, you can see that all six of these boxes are crucial. And I can't talk about it enough. These six boxes right here, it's the bare bones minimum, like don't BS or anything like this stuff. If you don't spend time to understand what the hell these six boxes do, how important they are and how they fluctuate up and down, how to, I wouldn't say manipulate, but make sure that you're always on the up and up. And when it is going to go down, you're going to know why and you're making that choice to allow it to go down beforehand. This is the stuff that they should be teaching in school, guys. And if you don't understand it, then it's going to be, I want to say nearly impossible, but you're really going in an uphill battle for financial freedom and, and financial awareness when it comes down to your credit. Okay. You might be a billionaire or a millionaire, multimillionaire on the business side and, and know how to make money and deal all cash, but cash is no longer king, guys. There's crypto, there's credit, and there's so many ways that you can take credit from the banks, flip the script, just like they've been doing to us for years. We give them all of our money in the bank accounts. They give us peanuts back, literally, you know, 0.01 APY. And at the end of the day, they're lending out 90 to 100% of it at any given time. And they are making a minimum 35x return. You know, they are selling it back to us at high interest rates on credit cards, on personal loans, on business loans, on mortgages, auto, you name it. And we're the guppies here of, 
you know, basically giving our money to them for free so that they can put it to work and sell it back to us at high interest rates and fees and overdraft and all this other BS. So we're just flipping the script now. Now we're getting all the money, all the funds from the bank at 0% interest and putting it to work. Okay, that's the big difference. We're putting it to work just like start thinking like the banks is how you're going to see the different outcome at the end of the day. But these six boxes here, don't sleep on this, get educated on it, and let's dive into it. So start taking notes on this stuff. Payment history, guys. Payment history is crucial. Remember, it makes up 35% of, of your FICO. At the end of the day, they have their own algorithm here. Just make sure you don't ever have a late payment. As simple as that seems, don't have a late payment. You know, you can set up minimum payments and making something towards it will secure you. At the end of the day, you know, even setting yourself up on auto pay on all of your accounts because you're so busy and all this other stuff and you got a trillion accounts and you want to systemize things, set it up on auto pay. But still set reminders on your phone or calendar to check up on all of the accounts before the due date so that you can verify the payment was it went through successfully there's no hiccups no issues because they're not going to care at the end of the day if you have a late payment it can be a pain in some cases okay the more payments that you've had over time and just one impact behind it will you know, it could drop 60 points, but the more that you have of good payments, it will lessen that amount. But understand that for your first six months to one year, it's going to be devastating to your score and it makes it nearly impossible to get credit from a lot of banks. Okay. Having one late payment within that first beginning time frame. After it passes a year to two years is the next category. It still makes a strong impact and it hurts, but less, obviously. Once it passes the two-year mark up to four years, it is in that last category of, well, you know, the, the score still being hurt just a little bit, but less impact. You can actually start getting some credit at that point. But then once it passes four years, it's not making any impact on the score anymore, but lenders can still see it. So we still want to remove that stuff. Okay. Some golden nuggets here you might want to write down is simply call, you know, the company and ask for a forgiveness or a goodwill gesture, just humanize with them. You can fight it on cfpb.gov or you can send in letters for, you know, credit repair companies. You can reach out to us at creditrepairmobile.com as well. If you need anything done for you services, when it comes down to credit repair, if you had a late payment and, or anything really, you know, hard inquiries, late payments, collections, charge-offs, bankruptcies, any of that stuff that's your score, just let us know. We can always help out. Okay. But these are some ways that you're going to want to start off with initially. All right. The next one is the credit utilization. Ideally, before you do a mass apply, applying for 10 plus credit cards at once, you actually want to be at one to 3%. There's a special little algorithm behind that. You know, just trust me on it. But you're still going to be in the green and the best category if you're at 9% and below. So always stay there. But if you hit 30 to 49%, you're in the yellow category, you'll see your score fluctuate just a little bit. Once you hit 50% and above, a big smack to the face, anticipate at least 50 to 60 points drop and so forth. And it will hurt. So just be mindful of that. And to stay on top of that, Stop paying 
your bills on the due date. Okay. Never pay on the due date, but actually pay before the statement closing date. See, there's a statement opening date, 30 days later, there's a statement closing date. And then whatever that balance gets reported to the three bureaus after the statement closing date comes around, gets reported to the three bureaus, that balance. And that's what is due three weeks later on the due date. Forget the due date. Due dates are only for individuals that are seeing themselves get late payments. Okay. So, you know, worst case scenario, make sure you pay something by the due date so you don't get a late fee and you don't have a late payment on your credit report. But start focusing on paying before the statement closing date as much as you can or in full, ideally, and your utilization will always stay low. The trade lines actually affect three out of the six boxes, and there's many ways that you can get trade lines. Authorized users is what we're talking about here. And, you know, the, let me see. I want to show you. The authorized users affect these three boxes, the two in the middle, and then the one bottom to the left. What that is, is credit utilization, total accounts, and credit age. Okay. Three out of the six boxes, trade lines affect. The other three boxes are really for fixing. So that's payment history, derogatory remarks, and hard inquiries. Okay. But just, you know, when you're actually building, getting authorized users after fixing, that makes 55% of your FICO right there. So it's a big impact. It truly is. So how do trade lines actually work at the end of the day? Now, basically what a trade line is, is say I have a 20 year old credit card, never been laid on it, nothing derogatory, and it's got a $20,000 credit limit. If I add you as an authorized user, all I would need is your full name, your date of birth and your social. Okay. I would add that into either online, it takes a couple minutes, or I can call the back of the card and request you to be added. At that point, they're going to send me the new credit card with your name on it to my address. I'm going to cut it up. I'm going to activate it, call it, activate it, cut it up and throw it away. So you never actually get access to the credit line. But when my statement closing date comes around for that card, it's going to the good history behind it and payment status, everything is actually going to start showing up on your personal credit profile as well. And that's very strong because it's going to boost up your average credit age. Ideally, it's going to affect those three boxes, the total accounts. So if you need, if you're under 21 plus, you're going to need more. Um, your utilization, it can lower it. If I have a zero balance and a huge credit limit um, and you're maxed out, you know, it will offset it. So there's many powerful situations behind this, but you can simply Google the pros and cons of adding a authorized user or trade lines. And just keep in mind that as a seller, you're never going to give the buyer the credit card and they don't have access to actually making any changes or you know any differences on your credit card. Okay. But you can also call the trade line companies and get educated by them as well as if you're going to be a buyer or seller with them. Understand that those companies are very expensive. So if you're going to be a seller, they might sell your, your basic credit card for $1,200 online. But what they're going to give you is $120 maybe. Okay, that was exactly my situation uh, for one of my credit cards. And because there's so many other um, options that they have on there, you know, mine was getting picked maybe once to three times per year. So not the most sexy 
within our group, Credit Counseling, we I can keep you and all of your cards a heck of a lot more busy throughout the month and throughout the year, as well as make it a true win-win. Um, you know, for that same card, I sell it for four or five hundred dollars on a regular basis. And so I make more and the buyer picks it up for less, saving them money as well. True win-win situation. So you can call your credit card companies too to request more information and speak to a manager at the end of the day to really get the full breakdown and 101 on this. But authorized users, I mean, there's a lot of power behind it, but you got to be educated on those six boxes to understand you know, what is truly taking place here. Because check this out, it all comes down to math. For authorized users, you know, total accounts, you want to have 21 plus. Obviously, adding a new account on there, it will help increase that one step at a time. The utilization, obviously, if you're at 30% right now or 35%, getting an authorized user with a big credit limit could lower it down to, you know, 25% when you're in the good category or, you know, 9% or below and you're in the best category, right? So that would help increase your score and your overall, you know, positioning of, to be able to do a mass supply. Or lastly, the average credit age, it comes down to math completely. You know, they're adding up all the total accounts that you have, dividing it by that many, and then that you just added together and then seeing what that average age is. So you actually want to be at nine years plus average credit age to put you in the best uh, case scenario, the best, you know, category. And that's a 15% um, factor on your credit score right there, that box alone. So it is a big deal. And a lot of people are struggling with that, but it's all math. So you wouldn't want to add a 19-year-old credit card when in fact you need a 20-year-old credit card. You know what I mean? Like if you paid for that or even just spending the time and energy to get that card, it's not going to help out your score. You're in the same exact situation as you were because you needed a 20-year-old and you're short. So you're in the same category. Hopefully that makes sense. So trade lines, like I said, you, I always recommend the free method first, which is friends and family. You must be educated yourself as well as educating the individual on the six boxes and showing them how they can make some money actually from it at the end of the day with selling trade lines and leasing them basically. Otherwise you can purchase them online. There's several credited companies rated A plus with the better business bureaus. At the end of the day though, it really comes down to they're very expensive and yeah, I don't use them anymore or recommend it. Otherwise you can always reach out to us at creditcounselelite.com uh, or anywhere on social media for me, you'll be able to negotiate a fair price that makes sense for both parties. So derogatory remarks, we're talking uh, these different factors and, and several others, but uh, evictions, bankruptcies, judgments, public record items, collections, charge-offs, you name it. Having one of these, it's a big no-no. So stay away from that. Okay. Right here, like I said, the average credit age, you know, until you hit five, you're in the red. So five to uh, right below seven, you are uh, in the yellow and then seven plus you're in the green, nine plus you're at the best category. Total accounts, like I said, it's not that myth that you heard of having only one to two accounts. They want to see at least 11 plus, but ideally 21 plus. And they want to see mixed use. So mixed use is going to be six different factors. It's 
personal credit cards, retail credit cards, it's personal loans, student loans, auto loans, and mortgages. Okay. You don't need to have all six, but a combination and not just one, like not just credit cards is going to suit you better at the end of the day. It's a mixed use that banks and lenders want to see that you're capable of utilizing credit properly and responsibly, and then paying it off on time. Hard inquiries is next. Um, as you can see, zero is the best. <laughs> One to two is still in green. You know, once you have nine plus, it you're in the worst case scenario and you'll get denied for many things just for the simple fact, not from your score. You know, your score is not going to fluctuate by having this many hard inquiries. At the max that I've seen, it was about 30 to 35 points. It it hurt somebody, but they had a, you know dozens upon dozens. But because you have so many, you'll literally just get denied because you've been searching around for too much credit. Okay, so just be mindful of that. Hard inquiries will stay on your credit report for two years, and actually, after it's supposed to be removed after the two years, the bureaus have six months to actually remove it. So just be mindful. Try to stay away from hard inquiries as much as possible. But when you have to go out there and get new credit lines and apply for something and you get a hard inquiry, make sure that you're educated or reach out to us beforehand to be able to remove these hard inquiries ASAP. You have only a short time frame to be able to remove them before it's linked up to the open active account that you just applied for. And then you are technically really stuck with that hard inquiry for the duration of the time of you know, the two years, okay? Uh, actionable steps here that you can take today to be able to improve your credit score, right? Number one is gonna be add the trade lines, clean up any credit as well. Like this isn't in the right order, but fix and remove hard inquiries first. I know I have it as number three here, but make sure that it's it's a priority that you fix credit first because it's the four-step process, right? It's educate, fix, build, then leverage. So pay off any debt that you have before the statement closing date. That will change the trajectory of so many people. Like if you're used to seeing your credit score go up and down, up and down, it's most likely because of your balances and you allowing the statement closing date to have a higher balance one month and the next it has a you know a zero balance right so paying off your debt on time before the statement closing date not the due date make sure you have zero derogatory remarks little to no hard inquiries and fix up the credit have all late payments taken care of and washed out build bank relationships like your life depends on it there's so many ways to do it, but I'll show you steps in just a second. Like I said, if you want to get your true credit report, go to my Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. My score IQ, it's in the link tree little bio section. You'll save a few bucks by getting it on mine. Okay. How to build relationships with the banks. Okay. We're going to wrap this up in just a few minutes, but it's so, so crucial. I cannot stress this enough. I cannot stress this enough. It's next, right afterwards, just as important as those six boxes and understanding how the banks are actually judging you and credit bureaus and lenders and so forth, right? When it comes down to the bank relationships, what you want to keep in mind is it's a business for them and they want to know how long you've been with them. It's basically three factors. The longer you've been with them, the better. So just start opening up accounts. 
I have a spreadsheet. Just I stay organized with that. Open up accounts. You want to go after maybe four to five per month in a 30-day cycle. Don't do more than that or else check systems could get a red flag and it'll just slow down your progress. It can be removed and fixed and improved in the future. But to avoid that, you know, keep it underneath the five per 30 days. And what you can do is just have as many accounts as possible. The, the longer the age, the better. Never close bank accounts. And then how many products and services are you taking advantage of from them? You want to have multiple personal checking savings, business checking and savings, auto loans, mortgages, personal loans, like whatever they have. They have dozens of products and services. The more that you're taking advantage of, the better. And they feel like they have you. And you know, if you got 10 products from them, you must only bank with them, right? And they get very like they want to keep you in house and they'll do more for you. Next is actually like how much money do you have in these accounts? There are certain algorithms with that that is a big factor. If you can keep a you know ten thousand dollars or above in there, you know, and you don't need to do this with all the accounts, but the one that you want to start getting funding with, make sure that you have roughly around there so that. You're placed in a good internal category that they start judging you with. If you have a bunch of money and you can put fund $100,000 in there, then you'll be set up for a lot higher chances of getting preferred customer support and services and actually get approved for many things just from the relationship. But also know your local branch that you are assigned to. When I tell people about this, they're like, what? I didn't know I was assigned to anything. Like, yeah. Your bank will assign a local branch to you depending on where you live and so forth. It's very common to have this. So know where you're assigned to and build the relationships like crazy with every single employee in there. Know the bank manager and write it all down. Like write down, ask about the dog names, you know, ask about the family, the kids, what people are enjoying and everything, and write it all down in your notes. And then before you actually go to, you know, into the branch next time, review it and then go back in, say those names, name drop and everything. It should almost be every time when you're walking into a bank that, you know, you're building a relationship with, they just get excited to see you. And it's like family, basically. It helps out your chances of approval or if ever denied, them doing everything in their power, everybody in the branch to make sure you are approved and succeeding without you having to do much. And it's really just awesome. So before ever, you know, actually doing a mass apply or trying to get credit from these banks, you want to do this for about three to six months prior. And these techniques will help so, so much. Before you do any of this though, you do want to actually opt in. So go to these two sites. You can go to optoutprescreening.com. I know it says opt out, but when you click on it, there's two different options. Uh, You want to opt in. Same thing with the next one. It's factortrust.com. Make sure you opt in. What this is, is it's pre-screening, basically doing a soft pull, showing the banks and lenders are going to see your credit history, your profile and so forth. Acknowledge that, hey, this individual has a good credit score. They are exactly who we like to lend to. They're going to start spamming you, sending you offers, pre-approval offers in the mail and so forth. So read your mail, read your emails, ask the bankers, managers, and so forth when you're there. If there's anything behind the scenes, 
that is attached to your account as a offer or pre-approval offer and take advantage of it. Like that's the way to do it. And you can get some awesome sign-up bonuses and so forth as well that will help out in many ways. 0% interest is what I want you to take advantage of. You know, you can make any purchases on the card while you take advantage of these deals and it's just occurring, you know, 0% interest. So that is what you want to do. Keep in mind with 0% interest credit cards that you still have to pay the minimum payments each month. And usually it's about 1% to 3% of whatever your balance is. So just be mindful of that. If you have a $100,000 credit limit card and you are leveraging the full amount, because I encourage you to, um, if it's at 0% interest for 12, 15, 18, 22 months, then put it to work by all means. Make a strong ROI off of it. But know that whatever that balance is, each and every month, you will have a monthly payment that you are liable for, okay? So budget that into your investment planning and strategy. But these deals, they can go from anywhere from six months to 22 months. It's very notorious. Usually, you'll see a lot more of the 12, 15, or 18 months naturally. Many of the notorious banks that give these cash advance promotional deals or 0% interest and so forth, are Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, City. These are very typical, you know, the big ones that they will literally, you can call in. That's what I've done several times. Call in or you'll get those offers in the mail that say, hey, 0% interest off of your credit cards for that 12, 15, 18 months, 22 months. And what they'll do is they'll just wire the funds within a day or two from your credit card into your checking accounts. Um, you just want to make sure that it is going to be 0% interest and that the fees are little to none. You don't want some mafia fees of 10, 20, 30% for a cash advance. You do not want that. You want legitimately 0% interest. Sometimes they can get up to a flat fee of 2 or 3%. I've seen some actually recently up to 5% flat fee. So be cautious on those. There's usually something that could potentially be better, but if it makes sense with your financial planning and the investment deal can still bring in a strong ROI, then you know why not? Overall, though, I get this question a lot, and it comes down to you know how to pay your contractors with credit cards. That's the only way I do it anymore. And if they don't know how to accept, you know, with a merchant account, because I'll, I'll try to set them up that way. If not, then you can utilize plastic and, and pay for plastic with everything. You can use the code as well. It's 1380183. That'll save you 500 bucks on your first purchase or whatever, your first transaction with no fees, which is awesome. But honestly, plastic can be a great resource and the fees are starting to get up there a little bit. So you got to utilize the right credit cards, but paying your contractor with credit cards will save you so much headache and nonsense, especially if you're a newbie getting into real estate investing. It's going to save you everything. And I promise you, I put it like, honest to God, it's... And yes, there might be additional fees involved, but it's your insurance policy. That's what it is. I'd rather pay two, $3,000 on a $100,000 renovation to the contractor. I'd rather pay the $3,000 in fees just to guarantee that, hey, I'm not getting screwed over from this $100,000, right? The project's going to get done and I'll pay the three grand in fees. I don't care. But it's well worth it because 
if they don't do the work, then all I need to do is call into my credit card company and say they didn't. I'll get my money back right away and the dispute will be open. So now the credit card company is going to reach out to the contractor, see, hey, what's going on? You know, defend yourself. And and if they don't, then you know, you easily win. And if they're trying to screw you over, it's a you know, pretty easy tale to see. Manufacturer spending is another technique that you can utilize to be able to liquidate cash from your credit cards and be able to pay for anything but purchase properties. That's what we've done a majority of the time. I'm not going to dive too much into it. If you want any education on that, check out my YouTube channel, Brandon Elliott Investments. And there is a, you know, what is manufacturer spending YouTube video that explains more in detail. Once again, every other Thursday, so every every two weeks, we jump into a live webinar training showing exactly like the deep layout of what is included in Credit Council Elite and all the possibilities, how you can literally get several six figures every six months, 15,000 in sign-up bonuses, plus you can get seven figures in funding within a year on business credit. It's just above and beyond and the community is next level. We have 98 members right now, constantly growing. Credit Council Elite is honestly something that I'm most proud of. Uh, to see the breakthroughs on people, people with bankruptcies being removed in less than 30 days on their own. So really powerful stuff. I encourage you to watch the webinar. You can ask me any questions at the end on the live webinars. Just go into creditcounselelite.com. So www.creditcounselelite.com and you can click the registration button. Otherwise, if you miss the live, you can always check out the replay right there. So if you have any questions, by all means, reach out creditcounselelite.com, otherwise on facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor, or on Instagram, it's Brandon Elliott Investments as well, but YouTube, Brandon Elliott Investments also. If you guys have any questions, by all means, I'm here for you. I have nothing but love and respect for each and every one of you guys. And just so thankful for our community and what you guys have been participating with. Hit that subscribe button, leaving the review and sharing this stuff out with more people. So Until next time, we will see you on the very next episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Love you guys all so much. And we'll check you guys out later. Stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.